Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And this podcast is presented by, as always, Mercury Mile. Mercury Mile is fusing fashion and function for runners of all abilities, and they are doing it with three easy steps. Just go to mercurymile.com, enter your sizes and preferences, and you'll get a box of four to six curated items, which are all high-quality, low-priced, the best of the best, and now is the time to do it. It's getting warmer outside, man. I just went for a lunchtime run. And it was like 50 degrees and sunny. I was rocking the t-shirt, the shorts. I got the hat on because it was sunny outside. You need the best gear, especially when the weather changes. And Mercury Mile is there to do it. So go to mercurymile.com and enter code RAMBLINGRUNNER10 at checkout to save 10 bucks. So this episode is with a friend of mine, actually, Bronson Venable. He is a native Rhode Islander, as am I, and as a New Englander who has run the Boston Marathon several times. Who better to get marathon tips, especially for Boston, than this gentleman? This guy finished 84th last year in the Boston Marathon, actually set his marathon PR at the 2018 Boston Marathon, which is quite a place to set a PR considering just the hellacious weather conditions. You know know what I'm talking about. 40-mile-an-hour winds, driving rain, and this guy killed it. And he is here to provide insight on how you can do the same. Not only that, we dive into his running background, his unbelievable approach to running. This guy's been running for almost his entire life, literally started running at age eight. And I just love his approach. He's serious about running, but he doesn't take himself seriously. And you can feel it and hear it in this conversation. So thank you again. And I hope you like this episode with Bronson Venable. Hello, Bronson, and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. Hey, Matt. How's it going? It's going great, man. It's nice to have a fellow Rhode Islander back on the right, show. Right, right. I, I mean, I, I've heard the podcast a bunch of times. I know you're on like the 100th, more like 50th episode, so I'm, I'm glad to finally be on that on the podcast. So this is awesome. Well, you know what? The problem, Rose Bronson, is that you're, you're, you're too fast. <laughs> that Like a lot of the runners I'm talking to are not at your speed, but... It was uh, we got we got other reasons for you to be on the show besides the speed tonight. So that was that was the hesitancy at first. You know, I'm I'm usually talking to people who are more more my speed, not your speed, which is really really fast. It, 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 sure. it depends, I guess. It depends on what star line we get to because I know there's plenty of guys out there that that I'm I'm real slow to. So I think the biggest thing is obviously the running community that everyone's out there. You know, I mean, everyone has different goals in mind. Uh, everyone's racing more or less against themselves. And uh, whether they're trying to PR, just run a certain time, um, it's it's just good to see a lot of people out there at all different levels and abilities. So it's awesome, especially Rhode Island, like I said, because we're so small. You see so many people at each race that you go to every weekend. So it's definitely a good community. And I've seen you at a bunch of races. I mean, you race a lot more than I do, but I mean, it seems like every time I go to a race, I either see you and or Dave Shad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dave Shad. Oh, man. Dave Shad has been to so many races. I think I... Kind of obviously when I started running road races, Dave Shad was out there, and obviously it was a guy I'd always saw, and I always saw the road races, and I think kind of grew on me, and I was like, I, I want to be out there as many times as Dave. I was like, if Dave can be out there, I can be out there. So kind of just just got me going. But like I said, I I, I love chasing money, man. So if, usually if there's money in a ratio, you'll you know I'll be at the line too. So <laughs> I love that. Yeah, see, Dave, Dave was one of the first people I had on the show. Uh, longtime listeners will remember he's the guy – who's trying to run a thousand races. That's his goal. That's part of the reason he runs literally at least one race a week, oftentimes more yeah, than that. Yeah. Dave, Dave is always out there. And obviously he, he lives close by to me too. and close to where I train. So I always see Dave running down the road nonstop. So he's always out there getting it. Oh, for sure. Hold, hold on a second. Oh my God. You're going to love this. This is like, this is the pure amateur moment of the rambling runner podcast. I just sat on my son's Harry Potter wand. And it just like started making noises. <laughs> so if anyone heard that, that's what that was. Uh, uh, so, you know, we're, I'm not exactly in a, in a producer studio here, Bronson. I'm just sitting in the basement making it happen. But with that said, actually, Bronson, we've been in, like I said, a bunch of races together. And I, I do have one race I beat you in. Um, the show, so before we got on the show, and I did beat you in one 5K with that said, it was when you were 13 years old. So I can't really claim credit here 
but I do have I do have hey, one. Like, like I, I I said before, hey, a win's a win. I, I'm gonna give it to you. If if I if I was you, same thing. I I say it all the time with uh, a buddy I run with, Dave Principe. I said I beat DJ before. Now obviously we know DJ Principe is a big name at Stanford, so I can't beat DJ anymore. But when DJ was probably like nine or ten, I beat him. So that's where I'm, that's what I'm gonna do the same thing you did. So it's all right. DJ beat me when he was 11 years old in an 11 mile race. He literally was younger than the mileage he ran yeah, that day uh, that... and still beat me. <laughs> it was in Noose Neck 18K. That that kid's uh he's he's something else, man. He's 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 a talent, man. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I thought it's funny because he was so he was so young and he was so little. He's a big kid now, and his dad's a big guy. But it was I remember it was we've all been to these races where like. There's like the typical middle schooler goes off the front, runs hard for hundred yards, then basically walks off the course, right? Like these local five Ks always have like one of those kids. I thought he was doing that. No, 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 he wasn't. He he, he kept that pace for a. And that's the thing miles. too, especially with his size. I mean, even before, I mean, even in high school, his freshman sophomore, he wasn't the biggest kid. So, I mean, obviously, when adults get to the line and see kids, that's the first thing that pops in everyone's adult's head. Um, it's like, oh, this this kid shouldn't be here. But obviously, we're all nice enough, so you let him go. But yeah, he goes and he, he just keeps going, just like Energizer Bunny. He, he doesn't stop. No, no, that's for sure. Then he almost breaks four minutes in the mile in high school, and you're like, "All right, I guess it worked out." <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> all right, I guess this kid. I I guess I can allow this kid to beat me a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, man. So I can't wait to get into it. We're talking uh, on Tuesday, the week before the Boston Marathon, which I can't wait to talk to you about for so many reasons. Um, but one of which is because, shoot, man, you ran this race last year. You were in it. You were in the, the hellacious conditions. And part of what I want to do before we dive into your history, just do a little marathon prep, a little Boston Marathon prep for the people who are going to be running Boston this year who might not be familiar with New England or the race or potential conditions. And you have experienced a lot of this. So just when you're, when you think about the race and the course, what are some of the things, some of the things, the highlights that you take from it in terms of just things that you want to make sure that you do and make sure, make some things that you make sure you don't do in preparation for the race? Yeah. I mean, obviously when you think about Boston, that's probably like one of the top races. Like in my head, to me, that's, that's the top race every year. I, I've said it before. I think that's my goal is to run Boston every year. Um, by far is probably the most fun I've had running. Obviously 26 miles isn't fun uh, when you get down towards the last six, but like the, the first few years I ran, it was so nice out that from the start to the finish, all 26 miles, there was people lined the entire way and there's yelling, they're screaming. Obviously if you've been up there watching spectating, you know, everything shuts down for the uh, Boston marathon. Everyone's partying, everyone's yelling, and there's just so much adrenaline pumping that it, it makes the marathon fly by. Um, it's just something like I always remember. And like, I don't know, like we've talked about it before just on like regular runs with my training partners. And I always just think about come around the corner and just turn on the Boylston Street and the sound like just gets amplified by like thousands. And like you literally get goosebumps thinking about turning that corner, seeing the flags and just hearing the people roar. Um, it's it's one of a kind. And like I said, just for any race, because I've done uh, a marathon over here, obviously in Providence, and they're obviously great races, but they're not at the size of as Boston. So there might be times where you hit one, two, three miles when there's no one out there. And it's just you, your feet hitting the ground and you're breathing. Um, Boston, you don't get you don't get a second to hear your breathing, to hear your feet hitting the ground. It just roars your entire way. Um, so it's unbelievable. Um, like I said, just. And with, and with people who don't know New England very well, if this, especially their first marathon, they might not know this, is that that's actually a day off in Massachusetts. Yeah. It's called Patriots Day. So literally nobody's at work on that Monday. Everyone's watching the race and then watching the Red Sox. It's like that's just how yeah, that yeah. day Yeah, between works. the race, the Red Sox, man, it's it's a holiday of its own, I guess. It's it's probably right after around Christmas time for, for everyone in Boston as far as holidays. Yeah, exactly. I think when people think, oh, it's going to be packed, it's not packed because it's just the Boston Marathon. It's packed because they literally – no one's at work. Everyone's everyone in the Boston area is watching. It really is insane, as you mentioned. And how have you managed the beginning of the race, basically the first five or six miles, considering that it's 
you know, not only jam-packed with people, a lot of adrenaline, but it's also a downhill start. Yeah. Um, like you said, obviously, if you're, you're running Boston, you, you know the course. You know that first, like I said, five, six, almost probably, I guess like almost like 13 miles is, is pretty much downhill. And you've been training months, uh, months and months for this to get ready for this one day. So that gun goes off, everyone's yelling, everyone's screaming, and everyone's hauling downhill. Um, you have to make sure whatever your goal pace is, you try to hit to. Obviously, the first mile too, you might be a little under, but you you literally are you have to hold yourself back because um, if not, you're gonna get in over your head quick. And obviously, for the first five six miles, say your goal pace is seven minutes and you're running six forties. 630s it's not going to feel bad you're going to feel great but then obviously when you get to the last few miles it, it, you're going to start paying for it, especially when you go through the hills um going up heartbreak and the, the new hills you're going to feel it um the biggest thing is i've i've started up front before and i've also started a few corrals back too um i think when i started in the fourth corral i ha- i couldn't move because there's so many people it it took me three to four miles before i could get out and before i could start running and my i guess I guess running without like worrying about anyone in front of me. And that for me helped me because I didn't go out too hard. Um, and I say it all the time. I, a uh, buddy of mine, Daniels is running Boston. I said, you have to hold yourself back. Whatever your goal pace is, you can take five, 10 seconds off of that for those first few miles and you can hit it. So if your goal pace is seven minute pace, you can hit six fifties for those first few, but you don't want to get too far ahead of that. Because like I said, by the time you hit those noon hills, you're going to be paying for it. Those last five, um, so just literally looking at your watch and maintaining your pace and trying to pull yourself back. It's going to feel like a walk in the park those first five, and that's what you want it to feel like. You don't be like, oh, I, I feel good. I'm going to pick up the pace, and I'm going to try to bank time. Because if you go, if you try to bank time, you're going to go up those hills, and by the time you get to 21, the last five are going to be brutal, and you're going to have to either walk or you're going to have to slow down a lot. And the time you thought you banked is going to double and triple, and it's going to be going backwards in your head, and then that it's all, all, all hell is going to break loose basically. Yeah, banking 40 seconds, that can evaporate so fast if you drop, like, a nine-minute mile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if, like, if you're out there running sevens or 730s, you know, which is, like, pre- pretty typical for someone who maybe is qualified for Boston, depending on their age group or their gender, then you throw it down at 930 or going uphill because you're exhausted. Like, there goes the bank time. Yeah, plus exactly. Some. Those 10, 15 seconds you think you're going to bank it, they're, they're not going to help. Like I said, you're, you're better off sticking maybe – 10, 5, 10 seconds under your pace for those first few miles and then fall into your goal pace. And so if your goal pace is six-minute pace, hit six-minute pace after like two or three miles once you kind of get the adrenaline out of your system and you start rolling and working together with other people around you. But yet, you literally have to make sure you you focus on your watch and, and just pull yourself back and just keep pulling yourself back because those first few miles are going to roll and you're going to be cranking. And you'll see it. There's going to be plenty of people that run by you and take off and just and go. And I guarantee you, by the time you get to 15, 16, You'll see that same person I went cranking by you coming right back the other way. And I mean, if if anyone's ever hit the wall, I guess in a marathon, you know that's not a good feeling because there's nothing you can do. <laughs> you can you can get your fluids in at that point. You could pray. I mean, nothing is saving you at that point. Once once you hit the wall, your legs are shutting down and it's game over. So true. And now let's talk about those hills. So we know we know where they are. They're basically mile sixteen to yeah. twenty one or so. So just for people who've never run it before, how would you describe the hills? Not where they are in the course, but just the hills themselves. Like if you just had them on a typical six-mile run, how would you describe the, the the steepness of the hills and the repetition of them? Oh, I'm trying to give like like for you, I guess I like got an idea. Like I don't know if you've, uh, I guess like almost like Warwick Neck type. If you've been over here and went up Warwick Neck, there's like a half-mile hill going up Warwick Neck, but like it's the, the hills are long and it's not a little bump in the road like they're they're pretty steep um and like i said it's just they just keep coming and coming and coming so you get to the top of one hill and it'll flatten out and the next thing you know here's another one and then it flattens out and then there's another one um they like they just keep coming um the best thing to do i guess to do that is like you you're not gonna don't push pace up the hill because you're not same thing you're not gonna gain too much time going up you just want to maintain your form and just stay focused and just one step at a time one step at a time short strides and get all the way to the top of the hill um but that's really when the race is when you pass, there's a fire station on the corner and that's when like the race begins and that's when the hills start. But it's, it's not so much work up the hills, but they're, they're long. And like I said, they are steep. You're going to feel it, but 
your pace will slow down a little, but just maintaining your form and maintaining your stride. And like I said, little short strides. You're not trying to pick up the, the hills. You're not trying to make up any time. Just shorten your strides, work up the hill. Just eyes right in front of you, right in front of you, get to the top of the hill. Because once you get to the top, you'll know right around 21, you're at the top of the hill. And then that's when you can kind of open up your legs, loosen up uh, your form, shake your arms out and start rolling. Because at that point, from 21 to 26, it's all downhill from there. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, those hills, they're tough, but they're, the, the Boston crowd is, it's almost like it's strategic. Like they know where everyone's going to be hurting and they know where they need to be. And the crowd is just yelling and roaring. And so like you, same thing, you don't have no time to think about your hearing, your breathing, if you're, if you're in pain, because everyone is sitting on the sidelines screaming and yelling, telling you you're looking good, telling you you're doing all, even if you don't look good, <laughs> they're going to tell you you're looking good. So you're like, Hey, maybe I do look good. Um, but yeah, the, the hills are no joke, but after a while too, there's so much of the first one to 13 downhill pounding that go on your legs that the, the hills almost relieve your legs from the pounding that you take all the way for those first, first 13 miles of that race. You're kind of like, thankfully you have the hills that kind of change up the elevation and different muscle groups in your legs that kind of beat the monotonous of the downhills you had when you started. Um, now, when you look back at some of the marathons you've run, how would you compare and contrast like say your best your best effort going up those hills versus one that maybe didn't go so yeah, well. So like, my <laughs> my first Boston, it was 2016, the the year I actually proposed uh, my first Boston. And I remember um, when I was training with Matt Pelletier, he was he told me he's like just take your first 13 easy. He's like it's gonna feel like a breeze. He's like take it easy. I'd rather have you go through. I think the goal is 240. I think that year. He's like I want you to go through 120, 122, 123 through the first half. And then if you feel good, you can always pick it up. You can't, uh, if, you, if you feel good, you can't pick it up and then like try to pick it up again at the end. Like no matter what, like if you go out too hard, there's no picking up at the end. So if you go out easy, you can always pick it up at the end of a marathon. So he told me to go out easy. So I did, I think I went like 122, 123. And then when I hit the hills, I felt so good that I started pushing up the hills. I remember I, I was passing people left and right. And then by the time I got to the top of the hills, because I pushed it up every single hill, I got to the top and I was cooked. And by the time I got to 23, 24, every step, my legs would cramp. And I remember punching my legs at 24 because I kept cramping every step. And I basically went too hard on the hills. Um, so then when I ran in last year, 2008, uh, 2018, when I ran it, um, I was like, all right, when I do this again, because 17, I was kind of hurt when I ran that year. So it wasn't really focused on time. But then last year, I was probably the same fitness level, close to where I was in 2016. I remember hitting the hills. And I said, I'm not pushing it. I'm not pushing up the hill. I kept the same effort wise as I would on the flat. So at that point, I think I was running a little over six minute pace. So I kept the same six minute pace effort going up the hills. I didn't pick it up, didn't try to push anymore. So obviously, if you do a six minute effort on the flat versus a six minute effort on the hill, you're probably looking at 620, 630 pace. So I knew that was going to happen, but I kept the same effort. And then once I got to the top of the hill, I was able to start cranking. I think the last five miles of that marathon last year was right around five. 40 average 530 average for the last five um versus two years ago and i was probably averaging 630 640s um because i maintained the effort but i didn't push it up the hills so that's the big thing you don't want to push it just maintain your effort the time obviously will be a little sober if it's the same effort you hit on the flats you'll be fine and that's amazing considering the weather conditions last year so you you finished so strong despite basically at that point two hours of pounding from the wind and the rain. Um, so what did you learn last year from the weather conditions that you're going to try to employ this year, just in terms of preparation on race day? Yeah. Um, I think last year it, it was good. Cause I, same thing. Um, uh, Kevin O'Neill and Matt Pelletier kind of gave me like a game plan going into uh, Boston last year because we knew how bad the weather was going to be. And if people don't know, if people don't know that Matt Pelletier and Kevin O'Neill are two like Rhode Island running <laughs> yeah, legends. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, so let's just put a little context yeah, I know on those Matt, guys. Matt's qualified for the Olympic trials uh, himself. Um, he, 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 won't want, he won't want me to say it, but I know he's trying to come out of retirement, uh, retirement right now. I know he stopped because he had his son. Uh, I saw him pushing yeah. a stroller. <laughs> yeah. I did. I saw him pushing a stroller to race, and I was at the West Warwick track. I think uh, a few months ago and I'm running around, I'm like huffing and puffing. The guy's like, Hey, do you know Matt Pelletier? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, he's a lot faster than you. I'm like, All right, 
that was like the end. Of, that was that was the full extent of our conversation. Oh uh, yeah, no, he's he's coming back. He won't like that. I that I put this on your podcast, but he's coming back. I think his goal is Hartford. Um, that'll be the next marathon for me, and I think that's his plan too, is to run Hartford because he'll be forty. I'm pretty sure he'll be forty. I don't want to give him give him his age out, but I'm pretty sure he'll be forty for Hartford. So I think that's his plan. Um, but yeah, going back to it, like he told me before, he's like same thing. He's like it's it's gonna be cold. It's gonna be wet. It's gonna be windy. He's like. Same thing. He's like, just take the first half easy. Um, if you, on a normal good day, if you plan on taking three or four goos when it's perfect good weather, add two to three more goos. So if you plan on taking two to three goos, you want to take five to six goos with you because obviously your body is going to be trying to burn more calories just to keep you warm because of how cold it is in the rain and the wind. And then on top of you running 26 miles, you're going to need more calorie intake. So obviously a big plus that he told me was more goos, which I did last year. Um, same thing. If you have a goal time in mind, the way, obviously, like we, no one wants to look at the weather for Monday, but it's not looking good. It's basically like the same thing as last year. It's not, it's not looking too good. Um, so, a lot of the the goal time wise might go out the window. So you have to go ahead and reel back your time, whether it's five, ten minutes, reel it back, and then go through the first half nice and slow. And if you feel good and the the weather's not that bad, then you can start picking it up. Um, the only like the big thing I did uh, I would change, I guess, is the prep is. When you go into Athletes Village or before the start line, I know if it's your first time, you might not know. But when you go to Boston, when you go to Athletes Village before the race, you sit outside for about two to three hours just waiting to start. And you're outside and it's raining and the ground's soaked and it's muddy and it's cold. Um, so I said one thing you should do is you should pack a race bag. So in your race bag, you want your racing sneakers, you want dry socks, you want dry gloves a dry hat, a singlet, and then I even said like a little travel sizing of Vaseline. You want to put that all in a little plastic bag and zip it up and then bring that with you in Athletes Village. And then when you get to Athletes Village, you're going to be wearing just throwaway clothes because whatever you leave up there in Boston, they donate, which is awesome, obviously. Um, so you just bring sweatpants or whatever pants you don't like or you don't want. You put that there, bring that with you and wear that up to Athletes Village. You want to wear a long sleeve shirt a sweatshirt and like a rain jacket and then even like water water resistant pants just so you're dry um and then maybe a poncho a couple of trash bags and then other than that you got to go hunker down in the weather and kind of just stay relaxed um and then the big thing is your feet too what i which if you look up 2018 athletes village boston marathon videos on youtube you'll see a lot of runners walked around with shopping bags tied to their feet to keep their feet dry and warm that's a huge plus you need to do I didn't do it last year, and for the first three or four miles of the race, I kept dragging my feet on the ground because it felt like my feet had mud on the bottom because Athletes Village is nothing but mud. But it was actually my feet just being numb because I, I didn't have them covered up the whole time, so they were soaked, and I couldn't feel them for the first four or five miles. So wrapping shopping bags around your feet is huge right before you get out Athletes Village and head to the start. And then right before you go, run into a porta potty drop off all the clothes you're donating and put your racing gear on, put your dry stuff on, put your dry socks, your shoes, and then head out to the starting line. That way you go out there and you're in your driest as can be. Obviously you're going to get wet in 26 miles. Um, but I don't prefer wearing like a big old poncho or a jacket when you race either because it's going to be windy. So you don't want the wind to kind of catch all those. If you have a light running jacket, that's also something you want to run in. Um, but last year I just wore singlet shorts, arm sleeves, hat and gloves. Um, and I was fine. Like I said, you're running enough, you're burning up calories. You'll be warm. Um, Temperature-wise, looking a little better than the last year. So that's a plus because it's not going to be too, too cold. It might just be windy and rainy. So Yeah, so if it's, if it's in the low 40s, then that's like the ideal temperature conditions for a marathon. The, the, the mitigating factor would be the wind yeah, and the rain. Yeah. So if you, uh-huh. have, if you have something really light to protect you, that's great. But like if it was you know just overcast in 40s, you just yeah, want a t-shirt. exactly, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it, it's... I mean, like I said, even if it is rainy, if you have a light jacket, light running jacket, that's fine. But the biggest thing, like, right. everything is going to be soaked anyway. So the less you'd have on you, the less heavier everything is going to be. So even just the singlet and shorts, like I said, in the 40s will be fine. Um, same thing, the adrenaline. Once you start moving, you, you're, you'll forget about everything. So And then every everyone will be so tight, so packed. And it was it's crazy to see from uh, 2016 and 17, it was nice out and warm you're running down four lanes of traffic and everyone's four wide through the whole entire road versus last year when we ran and it was so windy and raining and cold. 
everyone packed into a single lane of traffic and everyone was just tucked in trying to hide from the elements and, and the wind and the rain. It was like unbelievable <laughs> to see. And I just, like I said, Boston's just one of those races where you always have stuff in your mind. I just remember running through miles six, seven, eight, and just watching the snake of people like five wide shoulder to shoulder, just trying to get out of the wind and the rain and just tucking as best as they could. Yeah. So let's hope, you know, it, it, this time of year, as you know, you're Rhode Island, just like me week-long forecasts ahead of time usually aren't that accurate so let's just knock on wood and I know things change um but I know you're so you had a great race last year especially considering the conditions what was uh, you ran up running what was it uh 237? yeah 37 10 yeah okay and when 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 you were kind of preparing for the race and you looked at if the conditions were not necessarily ideal, because you're never going to get perfect conditions, but, you know, say the conditions were relatively good, what kind of fitness do you, did you think you were um, I, I think before that, the plan was under 230. The plan was for me to go under 230. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, 237, 230 is a world of difference. Um, but, yeah, ideally, I wanted to hit under 230. Um, that was the goal. But like I said, I mean, you can't, I mean, you can't plan for it, and, the, the big, I guess it's like a Mike Tyson line. Like everybody has a plan so they can punch in the mouth and like you can, you can have your plan and you can be ready to go, but then marathon money comes and that weather comes and punches you in your mouth and your plan's out the window and your goal time of running 230, 240, 250, it, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's not going to happen. Uh, obviously just cause the weather and you could try the best you can. It, it just won't happen. So you got to just gut it and just say, all right, I'll run 10 minutes slower. I'll start the first half five minutes slower than I normally would. And just see what happens. And if you feel good, you can pick it up and, and you might be able to get a couple minutes off. But that's that's the big thing with marathons. You can put so many eggs in your basket and then that race day comes and the elements change and there's nothing you can do about it because it's out of your control. But at the same time, you've put in the work, you've put in the time. So why not go out there and try the best you can? And plus, everyone has to race in the same conditions. It's not like the elites get clear weather because we saw what happened. The, the, so many elites dropped out and even the local Dan Vassal and him getting himself a nice paycheck because he's a New England guy. He could deal with the elements. He could deal with the weather. And a lot of these top guys aren't used to the cold and the rain and the wind. And they, they had to drop out when he got it out. It's, it's, it's a mind game too. You have to mentally know you're fine. You can make it and just keep pushing and pushing. That's exactly right. And it speaks to how, how not only how fit you were, but that your plan was definitely on point because only losing about seven to eight minutes. If you think about, you know, your time is pretty comparable to the top women yeah. in the race, right? So, like the elite, the elite women who are going for the win were around the same level of fitness that you were at, and a lot of them lost a lot more than seven minutes. So it speaks to a lot of the tips you gave today are obviously on point because it worked for you. Only losing seven or eight minutes is a big deal. A lot of women who are at your at your level of fitness at that time lost close to fifteen minutes. So I think it definitely speaks to some of your your local knowledge and being ready for uh, ready for anything. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, I mean, between just the the the, the knowledge I, I I've luckily had it around me um, definitely helped out. And like because I, I I my bread and butter I think for me is like five k ten k is obviously the local scene. So not too experienced in the marathon, but just having guys that have run marathons so many times, you know what to ask for. They know that what to tell you and how to prep for it. And that goes for a whole as just a running community as a whole. Like if you have no problem messaging anyone, like obviously Jill over at uh, running, uh, run rabbit, you can ask Jill at rabbit and she'll tell you, you know I mean? Like, you know, Jill's awesome, awesome lady has a great company for her. You can ask her anything and like, she'll tell you how, how it is. And she tells you how to plan, how to prep. They, the running community is crazy because everyone is always out there to help everyone. And cause when it comes down to it, the end goal is you're, you're chasing yourself in your own times. Like I said, I, I'm not looking at what, um, I don't know, like I said, DJ. I'm not looking at DJ time. Like, oh, I should run DJ time. I want to run because I, I know I can't. So now, like, I'm in the battle myself. And then same thing, if I have a bad race, I, I know in my head I'm going to be my own worst enemy. Um, so it, it's always just basically like we're us runners racing against ourselves. But then the same time, we have such a great community where you can always reach out to other runners, even big runners, big names. If, if you always shoot out a, uh, a even like a DM or you tweet at them or something like that, nine times out of 10, they'll, they'll respond to you. So the, the McCurdy guys are great. Um, uh, one of my uh, buddies of mine, uh, James Mayo for SRS free hydrate, who I use for all the marathons. Um, I, I even reached out to him cause he used to be a elite runner with him and his brother. And I've always had certain questions to him and he has no problem answering me and he'll give me his tips that he uses and 
it's just there's so many people out here and there's so many avenues that we could always go to for help and if we have questions that we can get answers from. No, you're absolutely right. And it's funny how you phrase it that way because I view you as one of those people. You know, you're around here, you're racing, as you mentioned, in a lot of 5K, 10K stuff. And that was, you know, I think about you as a runner. That's definitely the, the area that first comes to mind. I know you've been able to run um, sub-15 in the 5K, both outdoor and on the track. So when you look at just your race calendar and the things that you want to do and the goals that you have, how has that evolved over time? Um, I guess when I got out of college and started racing, it was basically like I would go to 5K to 5K to 5K to 5K and just try to race as much as I could. Um, obviously, now, I mean, I still race a lot. Um, not as much as I normally would, but I'm trying to kind of dial it back and, and focus more on, on bigger races. Like, I want to go to bigger races, but um, I also like the, the local ones just because, like I said, we've seen so many people that we know and obviously – um, you know, um, out there that it's just, it's good to see the same local faces, but I think I've tried to dial down how many races I do and just focus more on the time goals. Like I know I've ran this time last year at this race. So let me try to beat that time. Um, the big names, like the run for care races, the blessing, the fleet for obviously people that are in Rhode Island. Know these, these are big races in Rhode Island, gassy days. Like these are races where you can put on your calendar and you know, the time you ran last year and you can kind of try to focus on how to beat that time. And with certain things like Strava, like you can go back on your mileage and see a month before that race, two months last year, what you did to train for it and how you could tweak it and train it to make it better. Um, yeah. And just, just trying to dial down. And for me, like I said, I used to race 5k so much, but now I want to get to the marathon and I want to kind of get the distance in and run halves and even like cross country, run more cross country and just focus on like the longer stuff and trying to make sure I don't race as much. Um, and just focus on like the big races and try to get the best times out of them as I can. Um, Cause now these kids are coming out of college now and, and these kids are quick. These, these kids are real fast and my, my legs aren't being able to turn over as fast. As I think they, they normally would. Um, so bumping up the distance would definitely help me um, just, just for speed wise. Cause like I said, these kids are quick. <laughs> You're pretty quick too, though. So I know one race around here that always draws a really good crowd is the Downtown 5K, which is oftentimes the USA TF New England 5K Championship. I saw you there this year as well. All, there's always a pretty good contingent from Providence College there. It was one of the best running programs in the country. Um, you know, men and women have gone through there. And see kids there. I know Jordan Mann has been there, who's now kicking butt in the steeplechase as well. When you see those level of runners coming up, do you ever communicate with them about like the potential for staying in the area and kind of continuing that Rhode Island running tradition? Because it seems like we've been able to keep some of them pretty local. And then it's also hard because they might be from different areas of the country or even international. They go back to where, you know, wherever they grew up. But it seems like we've been able to kind of keep some people in the lobster trap here in Rhode Island. Yeah, so obviously uh, Providence College has – a great, great program with Ray Tracy there. Um, but it's it's not behind the scenes, but there's there's a great amount of teams um, in like the New England running area where they do as far as like US ATF program where there's a bunch of club teams that run. Like I was fortunate enough uh, when I actually started running was with Charlie Brady and his daughter Siobhan Brady when I was eight. I started running with them. And then um, obviously we got older, went to college and we came out of college. And CBS Downtown 5K, that is what you just said, where I ran – uh, unattached by myself and then uh Siobhan came up to me after and she's like oh you should run for my fiance's team and I I wasn't wasn't really sure uh what that meant but they she said well he has a club team they race all the big uh Grand Prix races in New England sometimes they run national races um and she's like but yeah like there's time standards and if you these kids can hit time standards or if you can hit a time standard you get certain amount of free gear and you get certain amount of entries into certain races if you can run these time standards so it's it's a way for these college kids to stay competitive post-collegiate. So they might not be these – I mean, if you think about, like, the real, real running community as far as, like, the elites, there's probably, like, 1%, 2% of, like, runners that are the elite elites where they're just running nonstop full-time. Um, so, like, the USATF Grand Prix and these club teams in this area are a great way for post-collegiate runners. And even – Masters, like just the Masters competition is crazy with Principe, with McGill, with Lawrence, um, like the BAA teams. Um, it, it's it's crazy, and it's a way to stay competitive and still work your your normal day job, your 40 hours, 50 hours a week if you have to, but then it's just another team. Um, 
But Siobhan introduced me to her husband now, Kevin uh, Quadrazzi. He, it's the Western Mass Distance team that I run with. Um, and it's just a, a bunch of kids who would never meet up with each other, minus races. But then, like, once you meet up with them, you become – you're on the same team as them. You talk. You cool down. You begin to hang out. Um, I know cross-country nationals is a big thing that these club teams do in New England. Um, so just the USATF Grand Prix alone is huge for post-collegiate runners. Just to stay in the area, they can get a job here. They can – after their career, they get their, their master's degree and, and just stay in the area. But then still race, too, if they want to race. Because, like I said, we know the running community is awesome. Um, but, like, just the USATF Grand Prix races – New England, there's obviously all regions all over the world, and then they have cross-country championships. Um, there's a bunch of 5K national championships, but it's just a great way for everyone to stay competitive even after college. Like I said, even Masters is an unbelievable talent in the Masters categories as well. So, Yeah, and it's, it's one of those things where it's so easy for kids who run in college, especially if they run really, really well, but not quite at the level where they're going to get sponsored after school to kind of be in this limbo position of, Hey, I'm really good at this. I would want to continue doing this, but I also have to make certain you know, life and professional decisions as well. And it can be hard for people. It can be hard for people to kind of stick with it and to continue to improve over time, even though they're at their peak, right? If they, if they continue to stick with it, they will definitely improve. Again, it's not like as if they're, you know, 60 or 70 years old, right? They're like 23, 24. If they keep putting in the miles, they're going to keep improving at a pretty rapid rate, but there's so many kids who at that age who kind of fall off and they kind of come back to it five or six years later. And it just seems like being able to kind of inject yourself into that community can make all the difference. Like I said, with the the Grand Prix, or you can even just look up USATF um, New England's for our region or whatever region you're in. And there there's the list of the teams and there's a list of the races that you can go to and you can even see the list of everyone's in the race, uh, the competitiveness of them, and then go from there. But, like, you can go based off your region of how close people are. Like, the guys from Western Mass are 30, 45-minute drive from me. I have guys that live 20 minutes away that I can run with all the time. Um, it's just a, a different avenue for for you to run with guys, even though, like, you wouldn't think you could. Because, like I said, oh, college is over. Like, we don't have practice schedule at this time anymore. This guy's not here. He's uh, home back on vacation. Um it just it gives you an opportunity to meet so many different runners, like I said, that you wouldn't have the opportunity to meet um, based off these big programs. And like I said, there's teams um, like Greater Boston. They go to the Reggie Lewis Center during the wintertime and they work out. Um, even little things like Tracksmith. Like Tracksmith is huge, I know, in the Boston area for getting to each other for long runs. Uh, Louis Serafini is out there pushing all these kids. That doesn't matter your ability. Um, they have men women old young they're always out there and louis will give everyone a plan whether they're doing fart looks around the lake whether they're doing long runs where they have out of i've seen pitches where it looks like they're they're 300 deep with up at tracksmith with with louis um so there's so many different runners and different abilities and different groups and organizations that have people out there so it's it's always good to see new kids come out and new kids run and like i said even for people who haven't really ran before um i just ran today with a buddy uh steve cross he used to be a sprinter and now he he's starting to run the longer mileage and he just ran i think he ran like 540 pace for a five miler and for him and the sprinter it's it's unheard of but like you can see him starting to improve and he just started running distance recently and like his times are dropping like crazy now for me my times don't drop that much because i've been running since i was eight and so like for me to see him drop a couple minutes off his time in like a month i'm like I'm like, this is crazy. Like, this is unheard of. And, like, so, like, it gets me excited <laughs> to see how quick he's improving. And, like, it just, like, gets the itch. And, like, so I get amped and I get excited. And then I try to get him more excited to get him running more. Um, but, yeah, exactly. it's just, like, there's so many exactly. out there for you to get out there. And then once you get out there, you just motivate someone else. And they motivate someone else. And then that just spreads out to the whole community again. Yeah, I want to talk about your training. Because every once in a while, you'll send me a note after after a training run. And it's usually, it's, it's always the same, the same topic. And that's whenever I see it, I know almost exactly what it's going to say. So usually it's like one of those days where it's like, I like hold myself back just so I can stick to the plan and not like go do like too much. That isn't necessarily part of my training plan on that day. That doesn't happen that often, but whenever it does, I get a note from you. It's like, dude, <laughs> go with it. Don't hold yourself back. You got to take advantage of those days. So I just want to, I just want to dive into your training yeah. to get a sense of like how, how you do it, how you schedule it. And what are the things that 
you, you know, kind of like that, what are the bedrock ideas that are at the foundation of your training? What are certain things that maybe you choose not to do that maybe other people are more tied to? Yeah. Um, so, so obviously my, my training partners, uh, Jackman and Princeton know that it, not that I, not that I don't have a plan, but I really, it's not so structured where like Monday, I run this mileage, Tuesday, I run this mileage, Wednesday, I run this mileage. I know in my head, I want to get a long run in usually on Sundays. I get a long run. I want to do one. And you guys have been killing it, by the way. I follow all of you on Strava, and I see these twenty-mile sessions at like six thirty-five pace. I'm like, holy god, these guys! Yeah, are yeah. That one day we were we we're coming to knock on your door for breakfast. I think when we did that. Yeah, you came within like a hundred meters of my house. I'm like, oh, thank god. They didn't yeah, come yeah. To my house. Well, next time, I'll, next time I have you put Gatorades outside or something for us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's just like uh, so like in my head, like I I want to make sure I get a long run uh one day a week i want to make sure that i either work out once if i'm not racing i mean uh once if i'm racing um skip so then the other technically workout would be the race um and if i'm not i want to do the long run and then two workouts um and then i also have like a real easy day where i literally go out and run three miles just based off feel like i don't look at my watch i just run based off feel um and then the other the other three days i have just kind of just just regular mileage days there's like a medium long run in there Usually Wednesday will be like a medium long run where it's anywhere from eight to 13 miles. Um, so then basically that would leave me with the two. Um, so that's like my structure. So like I said, the one long run, the two workouts, uh, the real, real easy day. Um, and then the medium long run. And then all that is just two other days of running. Um, and it, it, it just helps me mentally when I go down to running because these guys know there's, there's times where I like to go out, you know, I, mean? I, I like to enjoy my drinks and then Sunday mornings come around and I'm not moving, man. Like I take life day by day. And some days I, I just the motivation isn't there. And either I just, I, I like living life. So some days like it's not, it's not always how it's supposed to be. So like if one day I'm supposed to on my hard schedule, like if it's all written down day by day, if I'm supposed to run 10 miles, who knows what happens the night before. I mean, you might get sick. Like I said, you obviously know like your kid might be sick. You might have to go to work. Something might happen. There might be some days where you can't run at all or some days where you only can get a couple miles in. That's what I like to break in my easy day. So I know, all right, as long as I ran three miles today, it's not a total loss. But also, too, I know a guy, obviously, I said Louis Serafini. He, he takes one day off a week completely off. Um, so everyone is always different. Um, but like I said, the biggest thing is as long as you're getting your long run in, even one or two workouts a week. Other than that, as long as you're running here and there, it's always good. I told people before, I like to picture it as a scale. So if you have seven days throughout the week and you run four days and take three days off, the four days weigh more than the three days off. So obviously, if you're running more than the uh, days off you're taking a week, you're always going to be improving a little. Obviously, ideally, like it's hard for a lot of people to get out there and run seven days a week with life coming at you. Um, but if you're out there five days a week doing something, it's better than nothing. Even if you take the kid for a walk or you're just walking around the neighborhood the days you don't run, it's always huge. Just be moving a little. Um, but like I said, the big things for me is a couple workouts a week, a long run a week, and then an easy day a week. And then the rest kind of just falls into place. Um, like I said, between me, my, uh, my junk food habits and, uh, me just like enjoying myself. It, it doesn't always work out to plan. That's why I, I have a plan, but it's not always set in stone. Like I said, cause you just got to go day by day. Life is crazy. And your passion for this sport is so clear. I mean, you, you talk with so much energy about running throughout this entire show. And every time I've ever met you in person and talked to you in person and you've been doing it consistently now for 20, 25 years, even though you're a young guy, like you mentioned, you've been doing this pretty consistently since you were eight years old. So what do you think has kind of kept the love for you? Um, like I said, I think just, just seeing other people kind of get the spark and, and, Obviously, like I said, when I started, I was and I just I loved running. And I kept running. I, I mean, I, I love running till this day. Um, it's it's great just to get out and run and kind of just and just let the world go and just kind of let your mind run. It's a great stress reliever. But like just seeing people go out, like I, I talked about Steve Croft and him running times like crazy. Um, last year, a buddy of mine, Greg Mata, he he won his first five k, and I remember pacing him through it, and I I led the way, and I I looked at him at one point. I turned back. I was like, I'm gonna let greg take this and like he went and he ran a pr and he won the race like just to see his face after he won the race and it's just it's it's crazy just to see the enjoyment of everyone else kind of like gets me all excited and amped and like watching kids run prs and watching people just go out and run and have fun um obviously you know mo panda like watching his instagram videos and him yelling at the camera and, and just being yes. amped every yes. day he doesn't care if he goes out and runs a mile or he runs 13 miles he's amped every day and it's like 
how can you not be excited and not be pumped to go out and run or just see other people running succeed when this guy's out here yelling at you through his Instagram? Like it's it's just an awesome community and just everyone is always so happy and cheerful and ready to help and it's it's just great to see. And like I said, just people improving kind of get me like amped up and excited. Like obviously I, I'm getting amped up just thinking about like all this stuff, but like it's just it's just cool to see. And like I said, just the pure joy and you know if you run a race. For, whether it's a 5k or a 10 mile or a half or a marathon like those five those 5ks those marathons like they are so painful but then as soon as you cross that line once you hit the pr like the pain is gone like you're just full of emotion so happy so ecstatic that you just ran a pr like it's just like all the hard work has paid off so like just to see the improvement and you can see it on people's face like no matter what that pain is that's what they call that runner's high and like you you can see it and it's obviously contagious too Exactly. I'll tell you one thing that pumped me up, Bronson, seeing you on a big banner out in Boston, like, I think like <laughs> the New Balance sponsorship or something. I see your face on a, on a building like that got me pretty. Yeah, excited, man. yeah, that was uh, that was huge. Like I said, uh, that that goes out to obviously the team I told you I was running Western Mass. Um, uh, Siobhan Bray, her husband, Kevin, they both work for New Balance. And I was fortunate enough just for have them just mention my name um, for the Boston shoot for New Balance. So, like, I've got pictures from a bunch of friends. My buddy Kyle Johnson sent me photos from up in Boston. Like, they, my face is everywhere. And obviously, like, it's there was a group of six of us up there, and we were up there for the day um, doing the shoots. Um, and, like, it was just an unbelievable uh, experience that I got to, got to do with New Balance. And because of Kevin and Siobhan just putting me out there and just saying my name, it was just crazy to see. And now, like, I haven't seen any of them in person yet. I've only seen the ads that they put up on their Instagram and, and stuff I've seen. So I'm already excited. I've sent them out. Everyone, everyone sees them. They're getting amped. Um, it's just, like I said, man, it just goes back to the community and just, I, I've been fortunate enough to know so many awesome people. And, um, and obviously like now, like they're not just people I know that they're, they're friends and their family. And like, I, they're just people I would do anything for. Um, and that one little opportunity there has luckily helped me get a couple more chances with new balance and, like just running around like new ba- in like New Balance gear for photo shoots to me is like awesome. So I like guess just another door that I haven't experienced yet, but I got the opportunity to experience. Um, that was probably a couple months ago when we did that shoot. Um, and then one of the girls that was in the shoot, uh, Rebecca, she is actually a Spartan racer and she was in the million dollar mile. Um, so she was in that. So like she was talking to me trying to get me to do like Spartan races too. And, and then the couple of the kids that were in there were running with Tracksmith and like, it's just, like I said, it's just you talk to each other and, like, you just realize how awesome the community is. And, uh, like I said, just for people, like, I don't even, like, that know me, but I may not know. They'll send me the pictures all the time through my phone where they're on the train in Boston, picture of me um, for the New Balance ad. It's just, it's awesome, man. It's awesome. Like I said, it's just, I'm fortunate enough to have awesome people around me who always, always help me out. Like I said, you always have to remember in the long run that they helped you out, man. So you got to scratch your back when they scratch yours. I love it. All right, man. Last question. You're, you, know, you obviously are doing big things. You're training really hard. I see it. I know you're super excited for Boston. What are some of the other goals or benchmarks you're trying to reach in 2019? Uh, so a, a lot of, well, not a, a few people know that I uh, actually were expecting our, my first son um, and my wife's first kid, uh, our first son, Cash. He's supposed to be born April 19th or the 24th. So my, my, my wife's ready to pop at any moment right now. Um, so just, just being a father, I think, and just, and going through that experience, like I, it hasn't hit me yet. Um, that I mean, I'm sitting up right now in his, in his baby room, I'm looking at the, the crib right now. And that's obviously on my head, like just being a father and literally like having a child, like I said, I, I'll probably be going to you for a, a lot of the, a lot of the help that I'm going to need. Don't listen to anything I say, man. I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, so it's funny too. Cause it was like, so that, that's a big thing for me. Like just, just being a father and like kind of just watching uh, him grow. But um, I, I know like I, I'm fortunate enough to, to meet obviously my, my wife and obviously I love her to death. And obviously that's why she is my wife. And I've told her before, I, I can't wait for her to be a mother. Cause that was a big thing that kind of attracted me to her is just her, being motherly around kids when I met her she was like just awesome around kids I was like she's gonna be an awesome mother one day so that's kind of like one thing I'm I'm excited for obviously 2019 is our kid being born um another thing I'm excited for I think is is Hartford Hartford Marathon is on the like my I I want to put all the eggs in one basket and I want to focus on Hartford and just pray that everything goes well and the training goes well and that obviously the kid goes well and like we can be able to manage our time where I can be able to train for Hartford and, and get ready um, but I want to shoot for like low 220s Harper. That's my number one goal in my head right now after Boston. 
after my son Cash is born. It's just a focus on Hartford. Um, but like I said, you never know. Like like I said, man, life happens. You never know. Maybe it's not Hartford this year. Maybe it's next year. Um, so we'll see. But the big goal outside of being a father is racing uh, Hartford. Hartford's my big plan. I think it's just putting the nose to the grindstone, putting the 80, 90, 100-mile weeks in and just and really focusing on running a really good marathon. That's a good one. Yeah, that's that, that's a big local race around here. I remember I ran it. It was my first marathon. And I remember walking in, seeing the banners of everyone in the expo. And I was like, I knew half yeah. the people. <laughs> I was like, it was like such like a great local race. I, I still haven't finished that race, actually. I'm still on the course. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. It, I ran pretty slow. Yeah, I'm still. Yeah, I'm still in South Windsor right now. That's where I'm calling oh. from. Um, but it was, it was, a, it was quite a grind. But yeah, I remember seeing the big pictures of like Pat Moulton and Kevin O'Neill and people who are listening to this who weren't from Rhode Island have no idea what I'm talking about. But for me, I remember seeing them train at the Brown Track before my training group with Ron McDonald House and seeing them like just knock out mile repeats and like 800s and like these insane paces and seeing like these high level Jeff Howley as well. Like these, these guys who like all different ages, all different running styles, all running the same speed and watching them together. I was like, man, like running form, like who cares? Like these guys all have like completely opposite yeah. running forms and they're all like killing each other. And it was just so cool to watch. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nuts. Like I said, obviously that's a big New England thing, but like, even just obviously anyone obviously can come to a Harper, like Harper's definitely a good, a good race. And, but yeah, it's definitely mm-hmm. good. Like you said, obviously because we're such a small state, everyone, I think everyone out here knows everyone. Um, but yeah. No. Yeah. And Rachel, shoot, Rachel Shokowski, who's been on this show. She, won the yeah, women's race she, last wait, year. she what was that? That was her first one. Wasn't it? Yeah. Was that? That's exactly right. Yeah. She won it. And I think in two thirty seven. that's a, uh, that's pretty beast. <laughs> that's pretty beastly, man. That's a that's a big way to go out to your first marathon, man. She she showed up. She showed up, man. Yeah, I, you know, maybe it was no. Maybe I mean I'm confusing her two thirty seven with your two thirty seven. Anyway, I know she won. She killed it. And anyway, man, I'm good luck to you on Monday. Hopefully, I'll be there. If I'm not, I hope you do great. If and if even if I don't see you at the race, I just want to see the Bronson Venable poster boards just like the big billboards of your face around boston i'm excited just I, for that. I, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> for you to see it and that way like i said if i if i'm in some pain i know i can uh i can kind of just drop out and have you look at my pose and be happy about that one but uh no i'm i mean i'm pumped. <laughs> like i said this is this is a good one i'm excited to, to be able to talk to you obviously i know i'm gonna see you soon so we'll be able to talk more soon but i, I i'm just pumped man i'm pumped like i said um great I, I want you to get out there too i want you to start start getting ready really cranking man so Get ready. Get ready. All right. I'll talk I'll talk to you about that offline. But good luck in Boston and good luck to you and your wife at the awesome, end of April. Man. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you again, Bronson, for coming on the show. I love talking to this guy. He is all smiles all the time and just such a wonderful, positive human being. And one heck of a runner too. That's for sure. Thanks again to Mercury Mile and Megaton Coffee. They are two products and services that I stand behind 100% of the time. Check them out, megatoncoffee.com and mercurymile.com. Thank you for listening, sharing, rating, and reviewing the show. There wouldn't be a show without you, the listeners, and I appreciate it every single time you do one of those things. So thank you so much, and happy running.